Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. Today, I am joined by an author who was actually our very first guest back when we were a little baby show. So here to talk about her novel, Such a Pretty Smile, is Christy Demeester. So welcome back to the show. <laughs> I am so thrilled to be here. And I can't, I, I, one, I was, I'm so honored. I didn't, I guess I didn't realize at the time that I was the first author guest. And that's such a big deal because I had already been listening anyway and felt so excited to talk to the both of you. Um, and now it's such a thrill to be back. It feels like it was just, what, a few months ago that I talked to you all the first time. And I'm, I can't believe it's already been this long, but I'm so excited for the progress that, I mean, the podcast is like, grown by leaps and bounds and I'm excited for I'm excited to be here just to talk to you but also excited to be here because I feel it feels important <laughs> and fancy oh and we well so yeah you were the first author we ever reached out to and I, I remember Rachel and I being like what should we put in the email like how should we do we just <laughs> how do we reach out to her do you think she'll say yes she might not even respond I basically respond to just about anything that comes my way just because it's so exciting. It's like when you were a kid and you went to the mailbox and there was mail in the mailbox just for you. That doesn't happen that frequently. And so every time I get an email, that's exactly what I feel like. Like I'm 11 years old going to the mailbox and there's something in there for me. It's very, I love it. That's awesome. Well, I am happy to have you back. I'm excited to be here and excited to talk all things spooky. I'm super pumped. This episode is brought to you by Libro FM. Libro FM is the first and only company which lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. You'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a different story, one that supports community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best. Booksellers. I mean, and us. We also have a playlist on there full of books that have been recommended on this podcast. Books in the Freezer special offer, you get two audiobooks for the price of one, just $14.99, with your first month of membership using code FREEZERBOOK. This offer is valid for new members in Canada and the United States. Thank you, Libro FM, for supporting the show. So would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about Such a Pretty Smile? Absolutely. So Such a Pretty Smile officially comes out on January 18th. Uh, well, I was going to say 2022, but that's this year. So I don't have to say that anymore, but I I've known about this book coming out on January 18th for what feels like the longest time. And so I'm just used to attacking the year on, but it is a dual timeline story that follows a mother, a mother and a daughter over different sets of years. So there is a storyline in 2019 from the daughter's perspective Um, There's also some perspective from the mother and then a 2004 timeline um, that follows the perspective of the mom in New Orleans. And so through both timelines, you see both women and, well, truthfully, girl dealing with 
secrets and dealing with confusion regarding some mysterious events that are going on around a serial killer that has been named the Kerr, and that these murders are happening in both timelines. And so the mother and daughter are trying to figure out why these murders seem to be occurring around them. Um, the daughter is trying to kind of untangle what it is. Maybe her mother seems to know about these murders because her mother clearly seems to have some secrets regarding some things that happened in her past that she refuses to tell the daughter. And as the mom and the daughter, and I, I could just call them by their names, I'm sorry. The mom is Caroline, the daughter is Lila. Um, but as Caroline and Lila try to uncover and unpack these secrets, these strange things start happening to the both of them where they are calling into question their mental capacities and also whether these weird things that are happening are real or not. And eventually those things become a, a threat and trying to determine what that threat is. Um, and so I think that's probably the best way I can explain it without going really heavily into spoiler territory, but very much about connection and um, doubting the things that you see if they're real or not, um, with a with a very very hefty dose of um, you know <laughs> middle finger to the patriarchy if there can be. Of um, it's very much a feminist novel, so if that is um, offensive to anybody, I would suggest well maybe not the book for you, and that's okay. But otherwise, I think it, it's a it's a fun one. I would agree, definitely very feminist i was gonna ask you this book covers a lot of heavy heavy stuff we've got mental health we've got misogyny we got motherhood i mean is it hard to get in that type of headspace to create something like this it is and as i was writing it the good the wonderful thing was is that i learned so much about myself as a writer during this process not just as a writer but as a writer in editing and that when you are taking on these myriad of topics or these very layered ideas, that it, it has to be approached in that way in, in these very small chunks and these very layered methods. And so you may have a thought of and go and write the scene or write the chapter in one specific way and then have to go back through in that editing process and start, start layering and start layering and start layering. And so I learned a lot that my previous method of just flying by the seat of my pants doesn't really work <laughs> anymore. And that in order to create something that is has more depth, I have to be open to the idea of extensive editing, revisiting, revisiting, revisiting until I think I'm going to scream. But that ultimately, hopefully, it's, it's a better novel for it and it, it's worth it in the end. So yeah, it was a very different process this time around. Yeah, I was going to ask, was it different, um, like, with a, a bigger publisher? Like, was it a lot of, like, back and forth? I mean, what was that like? It was. And I feel so lucky to have probably the best people in the world on my team. I love my my agent, Stephanie Lieberman, is a powerhouse of a person. Um, so smart. And I, I mean, I regularly get so intimidated every time I talk to her because she's so incredibly intelligent. Um, but then also my editor at St. Martin's, um, Alexandra Sehuser, is equally this just incredibly intelligent woman. And so it was a very different process this time just because 
there was a lot of collaborative feedback and input and nudges in the right direction that I don't think I could have done it on my own of making the book what it is without their feedback and input because they just were able to take the idea, the core, the raw material that I had and, and point me in the right direction. And it was, it was a process that I was not prepared for because I didn't anticipate it. I, I had no idea of, of what something like this would look like, but I feel very lucky to have had such good people in my corner. They are amazing. Well, that's great. I mean, it, it all came together in a little package. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah. And I, and I hope that, you know, people enjoy it and, and get something out of it because I had a, I had a great time writing. So. Uh, so I did reach out to Rachel and ask her if she had a question for you. So Rachel wants to know what draws you to writing characters that don't fit into societal norms? Oh, <laughs> that one. <laughs> I would definitely have to say that has a lot to do with me as a person. And I'm drawn to characters like that because I feel I was that person. or And I mean, I feel like I still am of where I remember being a kid and all the things that I was told I was supposed to like, I didn't like those things. And, or all the things that I did like, people would go, ew, that's gross. They're, oh, that's weird. And um, I just have, I've always found those people more interesting of that they have a broader worldview, that they have more to say. And that's not to say that I don't have the basic bitch in me because I absolutely do. I love a pumpkin spice latte. I love a over the knee boot. You know, I love all of those things because they're, they're I mean, it's sugar. Come on. It's sugar yeah, yeah. delicious. And, um, but existing outside of that kind of societal norm, you you find your fellow band members so to speak and you want to you know beat the drum for them and i because i was that kid i i can't help but want to write about those people i mean i think it's important for people like that to see characters that they relate to that they feel like were written you know just for them oh absolutely well because and i think that a lot of the time in really popular mainstream stuff. And I think we're getting better about having main main characters, not secondary characters or, you know, the best friend or the side character who is a little bit outside of what people deem normal, that we're starting to see more main characters that are told from that perspective. But I would say that a majority of the population has felt outside mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And to have, yeah like, you, yeah, like you said, that connection is, super important because there were a lot of times growing up where I would read something and I'm like that's not me um and that's not the kinds of things that I think or the things that I like and it's hard to see when when you do find those things you you know you are drawn to them which is I mean how I ended up here in the horror realms (laughs) do you remember who the first character was that you like really related to or saw yourself in oh my gosh okay so this is probably, and I don't know if it, this, it's not horror, but it definitely is that kind of outside of the realm, not the normal girl um, would have been probably Lucy in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Because um, she was so much the kind of character that wouldn't wouldn't just 
look at things and say, oh, it'll be okay. And everything is fine. And we're just going to keep going. She had a little bit of edge to her. And and I'm talking, this is super young, but she was probably one of the very first ones that I went, I like her because she doesn't just try to be super optimistic all the time. I mean, yeah, we need more like pessimistic women. (laughs) Pessimistic girl, like representation. Right. Yeah. I, I want more Darius <laughs> in yeah. the world. <laughs> oh, I wanted to ask. So Caroline is a sculptor in this story. Did you bring some of your own personal experience as someone who has a job creating art with your candles sent from hell? I don't know if listeners know you do have a shop where you sell horror themed candles. I do. I do. And so I like how you phrase that question of that the act of creating art and because when you said creating sculptures and, and did you bring anything out, I, I, I can't draw, <laughs> I cannot paint, I cannot sculpt, I cannot do anything really when it comes to the visual medium. Um, but yes, that act of creation and the feelings that are inspired or the frustration that you feel when you have a very clear picture in your head of what you want something to be and it is not being that which Caroline struggles with throughout the course of the book of that there's, she, she knows that her work can be more, that it can say more of the things that she wants it to say. And there's some small thing inside that's keeping it from getting all the way to the point where she wants it to be. I very much identify with that feeling. Um, I think anyone who is a writer has picked up a book and read it. And I can't remember, can we curse on this? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. And like read through the couple of pages and be like, oh, this motherfucker. Like, can you believe how beautiful this is? How did they do this? How does how does a brain even work like that? And you you're constantly making those comparisons and wishing for your stuff to have more resonance. And so it absolutely that part of creation or creating art was part of Caroline and um, developing her as a character. Same thing with the candles. Um, Sometimes they don't work. And I'll have this great idea for a smell. And I know what I want it to smell like. And I do hours and hours of research on, guys, this is so nerdy, on smells. You would never imagine that you can do the level of research and testing just to find a smell and I'll have it together perfectly in my mind I'll have everything written up I'll have the copy written up I'll have a picture ready like in my brain of what I want it to look like and then I get the smells and they are awful and right and it's so disappointing to then feel like you have to go backward and I think as artists of any capacity that's the last thing you want to do is go backward like okay you know you're podcasting and you lose you didn't record it, you, you oh, know, like sure, that yeah. feeling. Has that happened to you? That hasn't happened, but I, I have had some where like, I thought the other person was recording their side and I didn't record like the meeting. And luckily the one time it happened, we caught it and we just kind of went over everything again <laughs> in the back end. But that, that stuff is so frustrating. And as because this podcasting is an art to me, I don't, I couldn't interview people. I don't know how to ask people questions. You guys do such a good job of like asking these really wonderful questions. And meanwhile, I'm like, what did you have for breakfast? I don't, I'm, I'm awful. But 
it is definitely her reactions and interactions with her art are founded in a very real place. I can see that, but like molding it, trying to get it right to like be what you have in your mind. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay, so speaking of candles, how do you create the connections for like this scent represents this movie or this character? Like, how does that happen? So sometimes when I am trying to think of something new of it's, it's a weird symbiotic relationship because sometimes the name will come to me first and then I will go, okay, if I have the name of the candle, how can I then back that out into a scent combination and a movie that corresponds in some way? But mostly it is, I want the smell to evoke the feeling and the mood of that, of that film or of that novel or of that horror character or person. And this is where it does become a little personal to me because in my mind, it's like, this is what I think is a smell that is associated with it. Um, or I'll try to go along with a smell that is something that I think would like, if you were living in the movie, this is what it would smell like. And so like Stickman in the trees is my Blair Witch Candle. And so I knew for a fact, I want, I'm like, I want this to smell like you are in a forest at night and it is damp and it is incredibly, incredibly dark. Like that's all that I knew. And I went, okay, what are those smells? And so, you know, it's like, okay, well, oak moss has to be in there because there's that damp, damp earth, earthy kind of smell. And then um, sandalwood needs to be in there because that brings a depth to it. That's a little bit woodsy. And so it's like, I'm trying to build it out from, this is what it's going to, if I was in this film, this is what it would smell like. Or sometimes they are puns, which is awful, but I can't help myself. (laughs) And um, one of my very first candles is inspired by um, one of my favorite moments in one of my favorite films called What We Do or What We Do in the Shadows, which is like, I mean, that is one of my, the show, the movie, it's like my favorite of all time. But um, so yes, nighttime <laughs> when <laughs> I can't help it. I was like, I have to do it. I have to do a time scented kitchen candle. It's called yes, nighttime. <laughs> so when it's there, you got to do it. You have to do it. And so they, they, it really comes from all over the place, but I would say 75% of the time it's based on what I think it would smell like to exist in that world. Has there been any like surprise hits, like candles that sold a lot that you're like, Oh, yes. So, um, my candles for the shining have sold better than any of my other ones. And and so there will be candles where I think, Oh, this is going to be, this is going to be a hit and I'll sell like three. And I go, I don't, I don't understand what it is that does it. But um, I, my biggest surprise was I did a candle for Jack Torrance and I kind of just assumed it would be an, 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 you know, average seller and that thing took off. And it's personally one of my favorites, um, favorite smells. Cause it's like, it has plum accord in there, um, bourbon, tonka bean, and like white maple wood, it, it is, it's like if maple syrup tapped directly from the tree got married to bourbon and like vanilla ended up in there somewhere. It's, it's just, it's not sweet though. It's really, really great. 
something about the picture, which I was like, I thought it was a shitty picture, to be honest. I was like, eh, this works, I guess. But it was a, um, I just, I printed out on cardstock the carpet from the hotel and um, a glass of whiskey and the candle. And that was it. And people were like, this picture is amazing. And I'm like, I'm the, that was the laziest thing I've ever done. It worked. And I said, okay. I love that. And then the times where you spend like hours getting everything like just right. Oh, yeah. It was like me. <laughs> but that's okay. I don't mind. <laughs> I, I enjoy doing it. So I never feel like I've wasted my time. That's cool. I love that. I do love the pictures and the flat lays. They're fun. <laughs> uh, oh, Rachel did have another question. She wanted to know if you have a fear of dogs uh, because of the book. No. So that is a very unusual thing. I am actually, I love dogs. Um, I've had multiple dogs throughout my life. I have a dog now and I never had a fear, but in the development of this in, or of the book and trying to give a very grounded in reality fear to a very violent threat. I, I could not, the the very first thing that came to my mind was the idea of beast, 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 beast. And for a long time in my mind, the serial killer, the cur, as it's named in the book now was the beast in my brain. And because that feels so viscerally intrusive it feels very violent it feels very aggressive it feels very frightening and as I was going back through and editing in my mind I went I can't call him the beast because that's like Disney and that's where people's brains are going to go and um, they're either going to go there or they're going to go to like James McAvoy and split um so I have to have a different name but I I was like can't say dog because dog is so friendly and wolf feels werewolfy and I don't want you like even though there's werewolf undertones in the book this is not to me you know what if you if people if readers want to call it a werewolf book please like I the author is not here to tell people how to interpret books but I just went I I need something that implies violence I need something Mm -hmm. that implies fear and so once Kerr came in my head I was like, how is it ever not this? Um, but no, I have no fear of dogs. But I am afraid of man dogs. Because <laughs> <So, laughs> I that was I, I keep I keep seeing those pop up in some of these like supernatural um cryptid websites of people having sighting of man dogs, and that freaked me out. And so I was like, okay, this is a good image. I like this. <laughs> what is a man dog? Please do tell. So people, um, a lot of people kind of in the vein of, you know, Mothman and Bigfoot, people have reported sightings of they'll be, um, you know, driving home alone at night and uh, in in a wooded area and they'll see just something standing in the trees. It's like it's standing on two legs and looking out, but it has a uh, like a wolf face, but it's a man. And I'm like, (laughs) it's the guy from Creep. Yeah, man body wolf face. Which to me isn't a full werewolf if it's something in between, because werewolf is far enough removed into Monsterville to where I go, yes, scary, but not mm-hmm. real, possibly. Yeah. Um, whereas man wolf, I'm going, I don't know. I mean, could be. I got you. That is, that is, ugh, like imagine driving and just catching a glimpse of that in your headlights. Exactly. Exactly. Because <laughs> it's always those green eyes when you see that reflection hit you back, you always go, could be deer could be something else i don't know (laughs) 
So is Jazzland a place or is it an amalgamation of It is a real things? place. Really? It is a real place and it is amazing. It is still standing. It's the abandoned Six Flags theme park in New, in New Orleans. And um, it is, you can, I mean, it's heavily patrolled by police and the alligators have kind of taken over um, the waterways. So you probably don't want to go wandering around by yourself late at night. Um, but you can, you know, if you're willing to tempt fate and cops, you know, coming and rounding you up, you can go in and walk around. And um, the pictures are amazing if, if you go and you look at the pictures of it. And uh, I mean, it's a really unsettling series of images just because it's discordant because it's this place everybody I think everybody has a feeling and an image of a theme park in their in their brain and you know what that looks like and then to see an image of what you expect it to be but it's decayed and degraded and it it, it something it clicks a weirdness in the brain it's almost like the you know, like uncanny valley where you go not right mm -hmm. that's not right and it really unnerves you it's it's so cool though. I actually think they might have filmed Zombieland there. Really? I think so. I feel mm -hmm. like I remember reading that somewhere. I'm gonna have to look pictures of this up. It's so cool. It's the neatest thing. One of the best images is of um there was a kind of a Mardi Gras section and one of the clowns there was a big kind of like the French clown head and it has fallen over. And it's just laying there, kind of all cracked. It's like, oh, so scary. <laughs> I love it. That is scary. Um, I was going to say, oh, also when I was reading the book, Lila read so realistic as a teen girl. I was going to ask you, how do you got a hold of my diary from that time? Oh, my gosh. Well, first, thank you very much. Because um, I feel like with the readers who have read the book so far, uh, Lila is voice has been a point of contention, <laughs> which I totally understand. We've all, I, I felt very much the same way. Lila was kind of me and my girlfriends when we were, you know, 13 and, um, very angsty and <laughs> didn't really want to show the world who we were and, um, surprisingly kind of vile, <laughs> which I think a lot of, I mean, and, and I, and I also understand that. And, I also, I, I want it to, you know, for, I don't want any reader to feel like they haven't been duly warned uh, or given a content warning going into this book about, about the violence that, that is committed and um, some of the thoughts that Lila either starts to have or is given based upon the things that are happening around her. That's shrouded mm -hmm. enough. I can say it like that. Um, but yeah, me and my girlfriends, we were nasty. I mean, we were nasty, nasty little girls at 13. Uh, it was very much, you know, uh, stealing um, my best friend's dad's cigarettes and, you know, like walking down to the local Kmart and standing outside in our Daisy Duke shorts and, you know, pretending in heavy makeup that we were far older than we were because we were, you know, unattended children being given free reign of ourselves. And we were doing what we thought was expected and we what we were told would get us attention and lila is the kind of in between mm -hmm. of what those things are she's that in between she wants to be macy but 
I think there's also some fear in being what Macy is and some recognition that what Macy is doing isn't genuine. And even though Macy is awful, awful, and I wanted her to be awful, she is also a representation of what I think girls are told they're supposed to be mm-hmm. and um, what girls like Lila are envious of. But when Macy is faced with the reality of what she's told to be, how she how she crumbles. Um, and the, like the scene at the movie theater for readers who have maybe gotten to that really awful part. I'm sorry, but um, that when Macy has to face that down, she's not fully capable um, and reminded that she's filling a role and that it's not necessarily desirable. Yeah, I mean, I definitely felt that reading it, the like push and pull of that, the like allure of the kind of cool rebellious best friend, but still wanting to be like a good daughter, but not wanting to be too good, but not wanting to be too rebellious, just kind of trying to find that weird in between. And then like, there's so much stuff going on inside. You just have so many feelings, but you're still like, your freedom is so limited and your world is so limited by all these outside forces. Like it's a, it's a hard time. Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, um, That is an age I would never want to go back to of, um, I know, and I used to be a high school teacher and I would, I would have students be like, Oh, what do you, don't you want to, when do you want to go back and like relive your teen years? I'm absolutely not. Uh, those were the worst years of my life. 23. Absolutely. But, <laughs> um, it's, it's certainly one of those things where I think, and especially for young women or for people who have been had expectations placed upon them that they have to fit into these certain boxes, that it becomes very difficult because if you don't fit into that box, how do you deal with the fallout associated with that? And, and I think that's a lot of the reason why too, Lila feels she can't fully reveal her feelings, how she feels about Macy, can't really talk to her mom about it. Um, kids certainly can't talk to her dad mm-hmm. and that struggle that comes outside of that. I mean, yeah, I feel like it definitely came through. Being a teenager is hard. <laughs> I also would not want to relive it. If I ever start to get nostalgic, you know what? I'll watch One Tree Hill and just kind of have like that version of it that doesn't really exist for anyone. But right. Just... <laughs> so much better. So much better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, it, it is funny to me. I think about those. Sh- like I never got into those shows. I, I wanted to because everyone would like Dawson's Creek was the big one. Um I was a little too young for Beverly Hills 90210, but I remember everybody talking about it and I just was like, eh. <laughs> but now I under, I mean, I understand the appeal. When I was in my twenties, I went back and watched Gossip Girl and went, oh, I get it. I absolutely get this now. This is amazing. This is like high school on steroids. This, yeah. but yeah, there's a lot of fantasy building mm-hmm. that goes oh, yeah. into what I think we want when we're that age. Gossip Girl, especially those people are like, 16 year olds at bars ordering martinis oh yeah (laughs) buying strip clubs you know (laughs) at 17 sure (laughs) what candle scent do you think would go with such a pretty smile (laughs) i have this already Ooh, okay (laughs) yes i have i have this already because i um 
had done, I, I cannot even begin to tell you the amount of research that I did trying to hunt and find a scent that I felt would fit what I wanted it to be. And so I thought to myself, um, you know, you could go really obvious and do a carnival kind of thing. I, you know, caramel popcorn or cotton candy or sorry, that's my dog. She scared the crap out of me. She came in. I just saw the door like slowly open. Right? I, that's what I saw over my shoulder and I went, oh God. Um, no, it's not a ghost. It's just Savannah. And, um, or, you know, candied apple or any of those things. And I went, I don't, I don't want it to be that. I want it to be unassuming. So I want it to be a smell that replicates the feeling of the book. So that on, there is a sweetness in there. Um, and a sense of lightness, but then, so at the top, there's that lightness and that sweetness, but then the further you go in, the darker and darker that it gets. And so in looking for the right scent combinations, I finally landed on, and I don't know if I'm officially, cause I don't have the candle in the shop yet. It's not landing until the day of release. So it won't be out until the 18th, but and I don't think I've announced the actual scent profile anywhere. I've definitely hinted at it. The official scent profile <laughs> for the candle for such a pretty smile is um, sandalwood, amber, Sichuan pepper, which you would think would make it spicy, but it doesn't. It gives it like a sharp note, which for me was like, like toothsome and a little bit um, sharp is the best word that I can think of. It's bitey a little bit. Um, there's vanilla in there, cardamom to kind of give it a little bit of that mellow note, tonka bean, and then that sweetness on the top is rosewood. And then the really, really dark at the bottom is vetiver and oud. So it was like all of my favorite smells come together. And so it opens up and you get this kind of brightness of, of um, the Sichuan pepper and the vanilla. And then it like very quickly mellows with the tonka bean and the cardamom. And then there's that weird bite in there and then it gets really dark. And I was like, this is everything I want it to be. So I, it took me too long to find the smell. It took me six months. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I'm trying to figure out exactly what I wanted it to be. So I am very grateful that I landed on something finally. I like that. I mean, at least it's not like wet dog or something. Written. <laughs> I should have, I, I've often wondered, should I do like a joke candle? Should I do like, you know, a split pea soup scent um, for the exorcist and Reagan? And then I went, I don't know. I mean, that's fun to give as a gag gift, but nobody's going to burn it. That's gross. <laughs> it would be interesting. I do. I wonder how they would sell. I feel like there there could be, there could be a market for it and you, we just don't know. And I just don't know. Yeah, maybe there's some, yeah, slice of very nuanced. Maybe people really like that smell. Not me. I had a bad experience with split soup when I was like nine years old. I never touched it again. I've never had it. But then I watched The Exorcist and I'm like, I don't know that I want to. Now I have no, I have no desire to ever order it at a restaurant or ever make it. So no. It... <laughs> what is a book? that you would put in the freezer? Mm, a book I would put in the freezer. Currently, oh gosh, I feel like I'm constantly going back 
and talking about the exact same books, but I can't help it. No, I have a better one. No, I cannot remember this author's name. It is The Water Cure by Sophie McIntosh. There we go. The Water Cure by Sophie McIntosh. That was probably one of the last books that gripped me to the point where I think I read it overnight. And it is, it's so unsettling and kind of like a slow creep where by the time you realize the monster is in the room, like you don't know the monster is in the room with you now. Like it, it is just boom. And, and then it's there because it's this, it's beautifully lyrical and it almost lulls you into this very like kind of dreamlike state. And, but then all of a sudden you also realize there are these terrible, terrible things that are happening. Um, and then there's one other one that I would put in the freezer. Oh, dear Lord, why can I not remember anything that I've read? And now I'm completely blanking on it now. I can't remember the name of it. And it was so wonderful. I can literally, Camilla Bruce is the name of the author because I can see the cover in my head. And poor you, I'm so sorry. You're like this woman. Like, could you please prep better? <laughs> yes, you let me in. You Let Me In by Canola Bruce was so, like, I, I like you got to put that thing on ice because it is this, it's unsettling at the, at the surface. And then when you realize that it's allegorical, it's like a gut punch. I mean, a, an absolute gut punch to where you think that it's about fairies and then you realize it is not and these fairies are like the most messed up versions you can imagine. But then when you realize what it's representing, it, it hurts it, it, to the point where it's so scary that I'm like, I got to put this away. So yes, those are my two. The Water Cure by Sophie McIntosh and You Let Me In by Kimmel Bruce. <laughs> Ooh, I haven't read either of them, but I just looked up You Let Me In and the comp was like sharp objects by way of the ocean at the end of the lane. And I was like, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are very good comps for it. Um, I think what I, I, I didn't, because I didn't see much about it um, around. And then I found it on my library app and saw the description. Like, I have to read this. I have to. It was so good. You reading anything now? I am. Well, I am currently reading research for uh, my next book. Oh. And so I am reading a series of books kind of centered around um, life in the 1950s, particularly for women. And then I am also reading in preparation for that, the Shirley Jackson, um, actually I have it right here, the Shirley Jackson books, um, Raising Demons, and then Life Among the Savages. So kind of her take and input on what it meant to be a housewife back then and raising children. And so that's what I'm reading right now. And then reading for fun, I just finished Apples Never Fall by, I can never say her name correctly. Is it Leanne Moriarty? Oh my God. Moriarty? Morietti? I don't know. I'm sorry. Um, the person who wrote Nine Perfect Strangers. Yeah. Like I think it's Moriarty, but I'm honestly not. Yeah, I'm not. Sure. I should. I should know. That makes me feel terrible. But I just finished reading that, and that one was fun. Um, just kind of a quick, you know, rip through thriller. So those that are always what I'm reading. Oh, I am fascinated with that research about your next project, though. Yeah. Mm. So I um I've done now a snake book, and a dog, or I guess I should say beast dog book, and now I'm doing a witch book. So I'm very excited. 
Fun, fun, fun. As is tradition on the show, we like to ask our guests for a chilling obsession. So what is something you have been enjoying recently in horror? One of my favorite um, other podcasts to listen to other than this one is a podcast called Guide to the Unknown. And it is a brother and sister team who I cannot... They are so incredibly funny together. Um, I was actually listening to it today while I was working on candle stuff. They were talking about Riverdale um, and I was just having a, having an absolute blast uh, with that podcast. And so they talk about all kinds of spooky things. So that could be films, that could be um, haunted places, that could be cryptids. Um, it really runs the gamut. And I just, I laugh every time I listen to that podcast. I cannot recommend it enough. It's wonderful. They are so fun. Yes. It's like a comfort listen for me. Um, yeah. It, it, it really does. It feels like a cozy, um, I'm slipping into, you know, a cozy blanket and I have slippers on and I've got a hot chocolate and I'm just going to really enjoy this next hour of my life. I love that podcast. I do. I feel like it is one of those where you like want to join in on the conversation. Like it's that meme where people are talking and you're like, talking back to them yes and i i have done that where i i'll be in my car listening and go and, and, and respond and i'm like oh, they can't hear me i'm like i also feel that way about uh rob zombies films thank you yeah yeah yes absolutely they came on uh for an episode we did like the psycho we did it was psycho but we also talked about the, the whole of the psycho trilogy oh i remember was... i listened because it was psycho psycho 2 and the books and I loved it. Those were bonkers. I mean, the first one's not. After that, though, they just go off the rails. So it was very fun to have them on for that. But as you know, our other tradition is to ask our guests for a final girl song because we have a Spotify playlist. Where we have everyone's answers. So what is your final girl song? have had this prepped for a very long time. And I... Unfortunately, it has been, this song has been used in a horror movie before, but I don't care. Yeah. So my final girl song is Mouth by Bush, but it is the Stingray remix. Okay. That is a very important distinction because that mix is a very different take on that song. <laughs> and it is a lot heavier and darker and sexier because to me, I was like, I want it to feel sleek. <laughs> no, that is the opposite of everything that I am. Of It is the exact right mood of moving through a room in badass mode, ready to take it on while looking real good. Like, And that's what I want it to feel like. So yes, uh, Bush, uh, Bush's Mouth, but the Stingray remix, which was on the soundtrack for American Werewolf in Paris. Oh, I would not have remembered. So it came out, I think, when I was in high school. And I have loved that song since then. And for a, the longest time, could not find it until YouTube came around. And then I remember the day when I finally found it on YouTube and told my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, how I mean, I was ecstatic. And he thought I was the biggest nerd. I don't care. <laughs> it's true. I don't think people remember like how wild it was to just have access to songs whenever you want them like I remember 
I heard a song and I was forever like chasing it. Like I would always think I would hear it on the radio. And now I can just have it on a Spotify playlist or bring it up on YouTube and listen to it like whenever I want. That was unheard of. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could could buy the CD, but, you know, like I couldn't remember even what the song was. It was just like I was forever chasing this ghost. (laughs) Yeah, you were and you would never find it. You would go, you would like, it sounds like, and you would say in your head and be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, well, what are the lyrics? I don't know. I heard it once. And I remember trying to hunt down a song. Um, and again, this is showing my age when you could go into the store and they would have the CD listening stations with the really big headphones yeah. Yeah. Um, and just scanning CD after CD going, maybe it's this one, maybe it's this one. And it never was. Or maybe it played like a different part of the song that you didn't remember. Like, like, right. Yeah, no, exactly. well, because I remember the one I did was digital, but it was like when Barnes and Nobles had the like station yep. in the back and they would give you like a 15 second clip yeah, of like the song. Snippet. Yeah, yeah. I would be there for hours. They probably hated me. But, but I mean, like, what else were we going to do at the time? <laughs> I mean, there was nothing else to do. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about such a pretty smile. Yeah, I'm so thrilled to have been able to do this. Thank you for having me. All right, well, everyone, I think I'm not sure this episode might come out on release day. So it might come out on the 18th. So that is exciting. You know, get your hands on it now if you want. I mean, yeah, it'll be the yeah, 18 or after. So yeah. Or, yeah. Or if it doesn't or whenever, yeah, get your hands on it. I'm happy. Whatever. Where can people find you online? Um, I am at www.christydemeester.com. And that will take you to links to all the books, um, any of my short fiction that has been published around. That will also take you to the Spotify playlist that I used while I was writing Such a Pretty Style, if you're interested in any of the music that kind of goes along with the book. Um, And then I am on Instagram at sentfromhell. And same thing for um, Tweet Machine, if you're interested in the candles. Thank you so much. Thank you. Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod, on Instagram at Books in the Freezer, on TikTok at Books in the Freezer, or you can send us an email at booksinthefreezer at gmail.com. And if you've been wondering, how can I support this show? You know what? I'm going to answer that question for you. There are a few ways you can do that, actually. One of them is to be a Patreon supporter at, well, Patreon. There's three levels. There's like a one, three, and a $5 level. And now, like, Patreon is allowing you to do, like, annual subscriptions and you save, like, 10% off. It's a pretty good deal because the $5 a month, which is the highest level for a whole year, is, like, $51. So, not bad. You get to do like a one-time payment and support a show for a whole year and get all the $5 perks for a year. Pretty good deal. So you can look online and check out the perks that come at the different levels like group chats, movie nights. Um, for $5 Patreon supporters, I'll say like who the next guest is going to be and open it up to questions to be included in the episode. So you kind of get to be more involved in that process. Um, at the $1 level, you get like early release episodes. Also, at the $5 level, my husband and I have been doing this series where we've read different books and have watched the adaptations. Like, we did The Stand, we did Dracula, and we just did Haunting of Hill House and watched the Mike Flanagan show and did some episodes on that. Um, for our next pick, my husband wanted something that was like kind of dark nonfiction. So, 
uh, I know, well, by the time this goes up, the poll's not going to be active now, but there's a poll going on right now to try to figure out what our next nonfiction book should be. So again, if any of that sounds interesting to you, you can check that out at patreon.com. Another way to support the podcast is to use the Amazon link that is in the show notes. You just click the link. It takes you to Amazon. You do your normal shopping that you would normally do. And a small percentage of that goes to help the podcast. Uh, Recent purchases that people have made this week. Let's see. It looks like some reusable straws and uh, dog toothpaste. So that's fun. Yeah. I mean, it's Amazon. You can get all kinds of things. Obviously, you know what it is. So thank you again to those of you who use the link. But what if you're thinking now, okay, I would like to support the podcast, but I don't have extra money to do so. That's totally fine. You know, there are some ways you can support the podcast for free. Um, You can leave a rating or review. Usually I say on a site like Apple Podcasts, but also recently Spotify has released um, rating systems for their podcasts. So if you're a Spotify user like I am, it's very easy. You don't type anything. You don't like leave a review. It really is just a star rating and it's very quick. Like you click it, leave the star rating, submit super quick. So honestly, doing that would be a big help for the podcast. Obviously, the more ratings you get, the more visibility you get. So thank you to those of you who have taken the time to do that already. And of course, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, which does allow you to say a few words, if you wish, about the show. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N. And on Instagram at that's what she read. And that is that's with two A's. So thank you so much for listening and see you next time on Books in the Freezer. Thank you.